Hello and welcome into the So Rare Andrews podcast. I am Andrew Laird. Uh, you can find me as Lairdinho on So Rare. Joined as always by Andy Black, who you can find as Black on So Rare. And today, a very special guest. We've got Chani Sports here to tell us all about how to play So Rare uh, because oh, no. Andy and I <laughs> are deep in and we have no idea what we're doing. So, Chani, welcome to the uh, stream and podcast. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to be here. I've already gone through the entire catalog of you guys. So, uh, excited to be here now. Um, that's impressive. Uh, I'll, I'll say that. Uh, thank you to everybody who's already uh, joined in the chat. We are doing this. Yeah, I mentioned on Twitter recently that there were a number of people who sporadically catch us live and are like, oh, this is great. I'd love to do a live. And we realize that we have people who watch kind of from all over the world. And so a single time during the day or week doesn't work for everybody. So not to say we're going to go all over the place, but we are going to try to be a little more flexible with the time so that those who would like to join us live can. So for those who have, thank you very much. Um, we wanted to bring Chani on because the there were a few reasons. One of them was just Andy and I haven't been new to So Rare in a long time. And so we're kind of losing perspective of what it's like to join. And we're not going to go through like the steps of going through the casual league and all that. But um, we were speaking previously, and I don't know if it was last week or the week before, we were talking about Chani. And Chani wasn't in the chat, and then he came in after we had already uh, finished talking about him. But the we'd spoken about basically how we find like one of the most important things for new users to do is to like have a plan before they start buying cards. And we all do. We all think we should. We should do that, and then we don't do it because it's much more fun to just buy a bunch of cards and start playing. And I feel like you really start to experience so rare when you're like, wait a minute. I've done this all wrong. Let me go back to figuring out what I should do and let me execute this plan. And Chani, uh, who has this excellent um, or number of excellent YouTube channels, one of which my son is a subscriber and watches all the time about FIFA, but <laughs> I, I subscribe and watch all the so rare stuff. But so Chani, it's, it's really interesting to watch you go through this development uh, because it's something that like we all do, but we can like actually watch you go through it. Yeah. And one of the things that Andy and I had talked about is that like how quickly you were able to be like, Oh my gosh, this is, you know, what I'm doing is not what I want to do or not working. Mm. What should I do? And then you develop that plan and you're like really attacking it. So what made you, uh, I don't want to say what made you join so rare. Cause you've talked about that a lot already, but like at what point were you like buying a bunch of limiteds is not working. Why, why did you decide to then jump into rares? And then when you jumped into rares, what made you decide, wait, here are the kind of the regions that I want to attack? Yeah, so the, the entire process was um, me starting off with the limiteds. I jumped in with a smaller budget at the time because I wasn't too sure about the site. I wasn't as involved with Sora at first. But after watching a lot of content on it and doing my own research and kind of understanding the concept of the game and everything, I realized this is something that I could be doing for years and really enjoy myself. And also at the same time, have some financial benefit on his side coming as well, but that's not my priority. The priority was really to have something that excites me about football again, because I've only been watching Liverpool games. Um, and back in the day, I used to watch a lot more football, um, but yeah, the whole thing started off with limiteds. I realized, okay, my budget is not necessarily uh, great for 
going ahead and dominating in certain leagues because I have gone ahead and built multiple teams in the limiteds, gone for Champ Europe, Challenger Europe, everywhere you can play. And I just wanted to get involved as much as I can without realizing that my teams at the time were not necessarily as competitive as I hoped they would be because I didn't know about stacking and what teams are the top ones to really go after and what players I should be having in my team, which what correlation is between players like having a goalkeeper and defender from the same team. So there's a massive learning curve when it comes to Sora. And I felt like through watching a lot of the content, watching podcasts, listening to them and um, watching people like Quinny and uh, Nellis and uh, all these people that make content on Sora, I just realized they have a specific plan and they really utilize their budgets really well. And I realized at that point, hold on, I'm not doing it right. Like I'm, I'm spread, I spread myself too wide and I, I wanted to go after everything, not realizing that initially, sure, my budget wasn't great. But if I went for just, an, just a champion Europe team in terms of limited at that time, rather than going into four different divisions, I probably would have seen a lot more success in my first couple of weeks. But that's the whole beauty of Sora, isn't it? Like learning the steps and understanding, oh, I'm making a mistake here. And yes, those mistakes cost me. But um, luckily, I had somewhat of like, I was able to make mistakes because I had my community help me out getting that unique. And that kind of allowed me to see that as like, okay, I can use this as something where I look at it and be like, this amount of money that I get for this unique, I can use that as like an error. Um, how can I say this? Like, um, like that amount of money I can make mistakes for sure. <laughs> because it, it wasn't there anyways. It was for free. And I'm just going to utilize that to be able to learn and make um, go through the progress of basically going from quantity to quality. Yep. And it took a couple of weeks and I'm still at it. But um, realizing that I want to put more and more money into it because I truly believe in the project at this point, um, it put me into a spot where now I have two actually decently competitive teams that can go for rewards. Um, so yeah, that was the whole process really just... A massive learning curve. I feel like part of the that early process for you might have been discovering some cheat code cards because looking at your gallery, the I don't know, the last six purchases or so, I, I consider <laughs> some of those cards cheat codes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, they I mean Cook True for sure. Vinicius Souza with his all round scores, Saliba yeah. who not necessarily because of his stats that he was getting, but because I was watching so many Marseille games because of the Paye purchase, <clears throat> I I was watching him. I was amazed yeah. at how good he was. Right. Like he looked incredible. The amount of times he recovered and chased someone down and had like a last ditch tackle, and my Kaleta car on the side is like, yeah, well done, Saliba. <laughs> You're great, Mal. Yeah, thanks for thanks for doing all the work. Right. <laughs> so so I looked at that and I was like, okay, that's another guy that I want to bring in. But yeah, as you can see, like I've definitely gone from quantity to quality. I had did, like six you know, players. Did you know who Souza or Koku was before coming on? Koku, yes. Koku, yeah. yes, because of FIFA. Like I base my FIFA content around young wonder kids okay. all the time. Like young talents. That's all I do. So talented players in some of the top leagues I know, but certain players that I've purchased like Vinicius Souza or Hilgers or even Matondo, I didn't necessarily know about these people. Okay. Um, so that is another, like I, I now look at them in FIFA and be like, oh, let me see how good he is actually on FIFA as well. So it goes both ways. Are you familiar with Yuma Obata at all? 
No. No. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> Who is that? <laughs> it's um, Yuma is a very inside joke, but he uh, apparently is highly rated on SoFIFA and is a goalkeeper in. Is he J two now? Oh. I think he's in J two. Yeah, J two. Um, we have a friend named Jimmer who's all about Yuma Obata. So one day when he rises, he's he's gonna come down and tell us. <laughs> Remember that name? I told you so. Yeah, but here it is. Yeah. Uh, so what actually, so you were saying that you were spread yourself too thin on limiteds, but instead of consolidating in limiteds where you were, you could have just sold everything and said, all right, let me just get Messi, Neymar, Verratti, mm. you know, whoever, what made you decide to actually step up to go to rare? The main thing was definitely the threshold at first, as I saw that. Now I was aware that apparently they promised the progress bar in April or whatever it was. I'm not too sure. But um, as it stands with the ETH price kind of being way lower than it was at one point, um, I thought maybe they'll keep this going for a little while until ETH probably skyrockets again and then they'll probably drop it. That's how I probably see it happen, um, which will be the catalyst for it to finally come in. But the, the, the threshold grind was the main part that excited me at first to jump in. Um, but then also realizing that due to the fact that not everyone can afford these rare players and most of the users are probably limited, I personally saw this as an opportunity to say, all right, if I'm actually willing to invest into this and really go after it, this is the place for me because I don't necessarily have enough to go all in into super rares and actually buy some of the top players. It's just not possible at this stage. So I thought rare is perfect for me to get involved and to be able to pick up players like Kirkju because as super rares, I guess he is probably valued at my entire gallery value. So, yeah. So one of the things that I think is very different that you did is that you really focused on the game when you came in mm -hmm. and, or maybe you didn't, but just quickly adjusted. But it seems like a lot of people, particularly those who come from FIFA, have more of a trading mentality. I'm going to buy this mm. guy because I think he's going to be more expensive. Did you have any thought of just like trading cards as opposed to playing SO5? Not necessarily, no. I, I know there's a couple of people that do it now. I think Flair FIFA is one of like the biggest traders when it comes to FIFA itself. And then he now jumped across to SoRare and he's had a, a lot of success on SoRare. Like his knowledge of flipping cards on FIFA to flipping cards unlimited has translated really well. Um, because you have great data points due to SoRare data, obviously. <laughs> so you can actually do some proper research mm -hmm. and find out, okay, this guy's actually undervalued. And just like you said, like having that knowledge of some of the smaller leagues, for example, like the K League and knowing that certain players are actually set starters now because someone has left the club or something like that. Like there's a lot of opportunity to use a small budget to work yourselves towards a bigger uh, budget. So the trading aspect wasn't necessarily something I thought about, but I definitely thought about the longevity of certain players. Like my one of my biggest purchase at first was Musiala because I'm a Bayern fan and I thought, man, I really want to have this kid. And then my wife, as I was looking at it, came in and said, I want to, I want to give you the half of it. And I was like, all right, <laughs> let's get Musiala then because he has longevity. He's a German national and he plays for the biggest team in, in, in Germany. And I thought, in a year's time, the graph that I see now for him that went from like, I don't know, 500 euros to 4K, um, 
it's going to probably be exactly like that when I look back in two years time, where he's going to be worth a lot more because a lot more users are going to come in and play the rare division. So I thought, hey, longevity wise, this would be a good trade, right? If I wanted to realize that profit at some time, but trading generally wasn't really a thought that I came in with. Uh, how long did that Musiala card last in your gallery? Oh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe around a month, actually. Yeah. <laughs> It's yeah. a long-term hold. Yeah, great now, now hold. Did you, get, did you get to keep the proceeds that your wife provided you, or did you have to give those back? <laughs> no, she actually, uh, we talked about it, and I told her that he caught COVID. And she was like, what's going to happen now? <laughs> what are we going to do? And I was like, I can maybe try and do a swap deal to cut my losses and, uh, yeah, just get someone that's going to get me rewards, possibly. So he was involved into the, I, I think it was the Kukchu deal, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Um. So yeah, I think it was a decent trade at the end of it because my gallery right now is at a stage now where if I actually hit a good on the 23 rare, it's a substantial amount of my gallery's worth. Yeah. So I thought uh, this investment is going to be worth it and I'm just going to cut my losses on Musiala. So are you playing right now? You're probably playing Champion Europe and U23? Yes, those are okay. the two. And I'm trying to like build up backups for those two teams that then fit in into, into All-Star Rare, so I can like okay. swap in between them. It does look like a lot of your Champion Europe players are actually kind of crossover, like Saliba can play uh, Champ Europe yeah. or U23, yeah. same with Diaby, um, yeah. who else, Tamori, mm -hmm. yeah. That's that's something I looked at, like I know a lot of people say it's kind of a waste to use on the 23s in different divisions, and I totally see that point. But it gives me extra utility, and someone like Saliba is already one of the best defenders in Europe at the moment. Yeah, very uh, flexible. In, yeah, in terms of SO5 scores. So I thought, why not just use him on both sides if I can? Uh, because Tomori right now has like one year left. That's like my latest purchase. He has this half year left of AC Milan. They have great fixtures coming up. He's fit yeah. again. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to use Tomori now in the under-23s if I can, and then I'll move Saliba back into the under-23s and get some success off of him for the champion Europe team while I can. Given the U23 rewards lately, I don't think you need to worry about playing them U23 anymore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm done for investing for this month. I'll be waiting for next month. But yeah, um, the next moves I'll be making have to be like the top tier players. Otherwise, there's no point, really. Um, it's just how I personally look at it at this point. It is pretty much pay to win as it is in FIFA a lot of times. Like right now, um, I say, if you have a certain budget, make sure that your budget is actually competitive in the scarcity level you want to play in. So if you have like three ETH, go into limiteds and dominate and try and get the best out of it. If you have, yeah, like 10 ETH, sure, go into rares and try and dominate certain divisions there. I'd like 10 ETH, that'd be helpful. <laughs> so we have a question here from the chat from bald sherlock I'm curious what your plan is for the uh european off season so i know yeah that uh jesus ferrera card that yeah you're going to use in u23 this summer do you find mm -hmm. yourself that you'll try to sell out of your european players to get into america or do you want to try to figure depends. out a way not to do that yeah i think it depends on like price and how i feel their current situation is with their club like if they are going to be staying because most of the players that i've brought in are playing for competitive teams like actually really really strong teams in yeah. their divisions 
So if someone like Diaby was to join a Premier League side, like, let's say, I don't know, Liverpool and become a backup, of course, I'd try to get out of it. But if I see that these guys are still going to be usable next year, I'll probably hold on to them because I do plan on continuously investing. So next month in March, I'll probably my next buys are going to be either Asia or MLS uh, players. And I'm mostly excited about MLS because I really want to like watch it and see the games. And I've, uh, I have the zone and I heard they show the games. So it kind of ex excites me to be able to watch the games while with the Asia side, I'm not going to be able to watch them. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely going to be getting into MLS using that Jesus Ferreira. So you didn't buy it during the dip that Andy called three months ago? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I did you know, buy it though because I listened to you guys. <laughs> I, I do wonder if if you did have to generate funds for like an MLS team this summer, if it would make sense at all to sell any of those uh, Euro European cards. Or yeah, I don't think it would, right? Yeah. I don't think so. I think that I think that there'll be other people that do that into their detriment. Mm -hmm. I mean, we definitely saw that last summer. Um, yeah, how much summer. of a how much of a dip is it then? Like at the uh, at the end of the European season, like percentage wise, what um, did you guys say? I think it's less. So, so the problem with looking at historical price on so rare is that whatever the time frame is, there was so there was such a reduction in users, and so like we saw. I find certainly found it in the European season last year. And for some reason, I didn't like equate this to MLS, even though the exact same thing happened. But prices drop before the season ends because it's almost like people are trying to get out ahead of everyone. So they mm -hmm, start mm -hmm. undercutting and all this stuff. Yeah. And I think that another reason is that at that point, they can try to sell uh, European cards to get into the summer cards, so the, you know, Asia and America. So the end of the MLS season, people are doing the same thing. And we just didn't like, I was just like, oh, it'll be the off season. Like mm -hmm. completely forgetting that like uh, Charles de Quetelaire was, and Luis Sinistero were both like 0.12 at the end, like last May. And I was like, I remember looking at those and be like, that's a little expensive. And now they're like both basically like an ETH. Sinistero is mm -hmm. even higher. I think, and, I think that data though is really hard to like get Mm -hmm. um, because like so many different things form, yeah, um, transformers and like, I almost wonder if you could do like an index of like prices for a, a region or a league, yeah. um, and yeah. server data and be able to show that over time might be cool. Yeah. That's, that's definitely a plan. Yeah. Um, the, the difficulty obviously is like the change in ETH price, like affects yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. I'll say that, but like true ETH prices like what we saw with the recent drop in ETH, like you, if you, you know, you look at the price graph on server data and then you like change it to fiat and like the dots are here and then it's like, whoosh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but ETH wise, it, it's not like the prices don't change as drastically as like we think they are. It's just like the scale of the chart. Yeah. But like looking back, like on May 14th, we had 18,000 users with one or more card. And yeah. like, I just don't think the market in terms of demand at this point will give us any sort of indication of what prices will be like in May, 2022. Yeah. And so, but I do think there will be a drop because every year, no matter the scarcity, well, I guess we haven't seen an end of season limited yet, but like at some point, just the way that a lot of people play this game, they're going to have to sell cards to buy new ones. And people don't like waiting months and months to play. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. if you joined in December, and you play every game week 
until May, mid-May. And then all of a sudden we're like, see you in August. You're going to be yeah. like, no, 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 I, I want to keep playing. What do you yeah, mean? Yeah. Here, take this card and give me five and then I'll go play. And that's just like, yeah. that's just how it moves. And most yeah, I think people... I can see myself like getting limited Asia and America teams as well, just so I can play more often uh, at that point. So I can uh, be involved in multiple divisions at that time as well, rather than just being in like all-star rare, all-star America and Asia. Yeah, no, I think... A lot of people do that. Uh, Nellis commented recently how he's going to become like an, a champion Asia whale this summer <laughs> yeah, in limited. <laughs> and I, all I could think of is like the team that you're buying, dozens or hundreds of people have already bought and have the XP. So I'm not sure he's going to. Yeah. I do wonder though, if you could just be real strategic and do like a MLS stack and an Asia stack that may not be the top guys um, per se. But like if that was your fix, that gives you a team to root for in the summer or two teams to root for in the summer. And, you know, if you get a good result from that team, uh, you might have actually a decent shot at, at a good prize. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like we've talked about that those leagues, there's a knowledge edge that yeah. was like not only like the knowledge edge of knowing the leagues, but also just being able to get the news. And I mean, MLS is as easy as people are like, oh yeah, MLS, everything's in English and there's all this coverage, but like the MLS injury news is just horrible. It's just as bad. It's just as yeah, bad as every other league that right. we complain about. Okay. And so, you know, you'll get as many like random DMPs in MLS as you will. And then you get the, my favorite of the reporter tweets when somebody's out and they're like, oh yeah, he hurt his ankle on Wednesday. And it's like, where was this on Wednesday? Right. Like, Thursday. <laughs> yeah, <it's... laughs> so there's that. But I think, uh, for somebody who plays rare regularly and understanding like the budget that it takes to play rare, being able to play limited in that way during the summer is attainable. Like, yeah, you know, you sell, even if you have to sell, you're selling one rare card that possibly gets you like two limited teams. And yeah. that, you know, that makes the summer more fun. Yeah, definitely. Especially like all-star, right? Because you can still get the, um, the European players, I'm assuming, during that time, as we rewards, think. right? We think. There was oh, have you not got? Have you not gone through that already they, last summer? Well, last summer they they didn't do that. They only did oh. so like during uh, like July. It was on, only MLS or only America and Asia cards in the All Star Prize Pool. And then after a while, they were like, "Oh, we shouldn't do this." And then they opened it back up. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I like specifically remember it was like around the time that I that I won my Carlos heel card because he was like the best available player. And then two weeks later, like Tadic was there and I was like, I don't remember IX playing, but I guess they yeah. fixed this problem. Um, well, is, yeah. I hope, I hope they keep it open because I think a lot of people would lose interest during that period if they don't do that, especially I, I with the amount of users now. Yeah. I think it's still heavily, it's heavily towards the ones that are playing. And the reasons they do that are one, it is kind of a bummer to win a card that you can't use for three more months. And so yeah. even if it's a good card, you're just like, oh, great. But this isn't helping me like right now. And the yeah. other is that the supply of those cards, usually I doubt they have this issue with limited, but when they get to the end of the season, you know, they, ideally they're selling and rewarding most of the European cards, like during the European season. So you get yeah. to, you know, the, the new season cards don't even come out until September or so. Like mm -hmm. once they, have all the pictures and get all the licenses set so they still have to pay you know rewards out even at the beginning of the european season with the old season cards yeah. um but 
Yeah, Daniel Cooper, I wouldn't be too disappointed with a Halland I can't use for three months. I agree. Yeah, that one, <laughs> that one's Save fine. Here. Yeah. Please. But, <laughs> but the Dennis Suarez car that you can't use for three months, you're not uh, quite as excited about. So Yeah, I assume uh, so. And you're, you're going to have trouble getting rid of it as well during that right. time. Yeah, exactly. Year. Exactly. Um, but that's when we pounce. That's when you buy the European cards. So, yeah, that makes sense. Um, it just comes down to like if we have another like 20,000 people join until that point. Like at some point, there will be a time where there's too many users for the low amount of items that we have in the higher divisions. So I wonder how that is going to be affecting it if it's just constantly going in, going up in terms of price because people want to compete in those divisions for the bigger rewards. Um, but yeah, I just wonder how they're going to deal with that if they're ever going to introduce anything that's going to be a tier lower than limited. Like, what are they so, going to do if there's a million users? Eventually, they'll they'll have to. We'll have yeah, green right? cards or something. Yeah, yeah, something has to happen at some point. I mean. If they, I think they do at some point, they do a one of 10,000. Yeah. Um, part of it is that the prices of rare cards, or excuse me, prices of limited cards now are basically the prices from, of rare cards. Wait, did I say that right? Yeah. Prices yeah, of limited yeah, cards yeah. now are basically what rares were mm. a year ago. Yeah. Maybe not even a year. Um, and I think it's, I think what they wanted to accomplish with rare card with limited cards just hasn't happened. Like the prices are still too high. Like mm. I think, the goal is like, yes, you can play this game for $50 and an extra scarcity needs to exist for that to happen. Mm. And if that happens, all of us sitting on rare cards are going to just feel great because while not everybody who's buying whatever the one of 10,000 is, not all of those people will be able to buy one of the thousands and not all the one of the thousands can buy one of the hundreds, but there mm. will be plenty of people who join and buy the one of 10,000s and they're like, I think this is awesome. I'm going to spend a lot more money and they skip limited and they go to rare. And then mm. everybody who has the rare cards just, you know, is sitting there with cards that are much more expensive. And, yeah. Um, totally that's the hope at least, but yeah, they yeah. The, just the demand wise, they, the plan of a million users. And obviously just because they want a million users doesn't mean they're going to get a million users. Yeah. But you, you can't do it with this number of cards unless they find a way to make a majority of their cards have value because at this point a majority of the cards are effectively worthless i, I, I honestly think yeah. <laughs> i honestly think that the reason why they don't have a million users yet is just the fact that people don't know it exists like there's no advertisement no nothing and if they were to get the premier league license and do like put a lot of money into advertising i think the number of users would skyrocket immediately uh, by hundreds of thousands, in my opinion, because I only know of, of SoRare because of Nep, because he told me at the time, if I knew something like this existed, I would have jumped into it immediately as a football fan, because this is much more exciting than Fantasy Premier League. Mm -hmm. Like there's more than just bragging rights into it. Like you mm -hmm. actually feel like you have a certain connection to the players that you don't get otherwise. So me having that Saliba now after watching him for a couple of games and being like, wow, this kid is actually sick. And then actually getting him into the club at the time, it just feels great. And it's not just about like, I want to make money on this. It's actually like the fun aspect watching the games. I have so much more emotion watching them now. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a feeling that every football fan that's really into it will have once they realize this actually exists. People don't know something like this is out there. Um, so 
once they once they do their advertisements and get bigger licenses, I assume this platform has so much upside to it, and we're so early still. Do you think that the whole Ethereum thing makes it more difficult? I think so, but at this point, you can't go back. You have so many people invested into it already. You would have to make it up to them somehow um, if you were to change it to a different way, like just euros or whatever as um, like a stable coin or something like that being introduced. Um, but yeah, I think it brings a whole nother aspect into uh, SoRare for sure. Like people that have crypto knowledge have an advantage um, knowing that if they buy Ethereum now, at what, at what point are they buying it now? Like at a 50% decrease from all time highs. How's the market looking? Are we going to go up or is this actually a confirmed bear market? What's, what's going to happen with all that? Like people that have that knowledge will always have the advantage, but I think it's too late now to bring in something like a stable coin. Uh, I, you would have to make it up to users. I, I think that someday we actually do see it. And I think that yeah. you'll be able to keep keep the money in your wallet one of two ways, either Ethereum or in a stable coin. Mm. And maybe they'll introduce multiple markets where you have a like fiat marketplace and mm. a Ethereum marketplace where I can list a card for uh, a set ETH price or a yeah. set fiat price. I, I like that though. Like being able to... Um, separate the two markets and then you can choose where you want to partake. Cool. That, that, that's good. That's a good way of not pissing off older users. Right, right. Yeah. So what I think is interesting though is that you seem pretty into Ethereum and Bitcoin, but your videos tend to reference prices in euros. Do you yeah. do that for yourself or for those who are watching? Um, I think I'm doing it mainly for the people that are watching it. But I personally, when I do my analysis, when it comes to like crypto, I do it in dollars because that's like the main currency that dictates everything. Um, and that's m more like accurate when it comes to looking at charts and stuff. I think uh, Andrew but, meant though, like when you're buying a card, huh? you, you purchase, you're like, I'm buying this for 500 uh, euros oh, yeah, or $500 yeah, yeah, yeah. versus yeah, I'm yeah. buying it for 0.1. Yeah, that, that's I, I find for casuals coming in, it's important to make it easier for them to understand what type of money I'm buying these players for. Yeah. If I tell them 0 0.385 ETH, I just don't think they'll understand if they are not into crypto like I am. So I, I think it's just much easier to be able to go ahead and say, hey, this is how much I've actually spent on it. There you go. And if people knew how much money I wasted on FIFA points, they would look at my investments into SoRare and laugh at me and be like, that's nothing compared to what you've wasted for years upon years. That's crazy. So yeah, I, I'm, I wish I wish I knew about this two years ago because then I wouldn't have spent like 10K on team of the year pack openings and stuff like that, trying to get those big pulls and never really being satisfied with it. So yeah, What's funny Euros is, that... is the way to go for me for the casuals. So I'm, I'm not really into crypto at all. Like I, I bought Ethereum. We've kind of talked about this before. Andy basically held my hand in order to get it to SoRare. And SoRare is like the only reason I bought Ethereum. But I struggle to look at SoRare through a fiat lens because I've just been on long enough where I'm looking at, at Ethereum. So yeah. like I got an offer the other day. Somebody's like, I'd, I'd like whatever card it was, how is 450 euros? 
And my thought was like, I don't know what that is. Like, I, yeah. I, is that is that a good price? And so now I yeah. have to go to SoRare Data. I have to change my currency settings. And I'm like, this is just awful. I can't believe people do this. But I think <laughs> that there's like this, and I've said this before, I think there's this hidden thing with SoRare that if you're spending, you don't think about how much you're spending if you're spending Ethereum. Because yeah. like 0.3 ETH, you're just like, yeah, that seems fair. And then somebody's like, that's 900 bucks. And you're like, what? I'm not yeah, going to spend yeah. that. I always, yeah. I always wonder how often like I sell a card to somebody and, and think, you know, from my side, wow, I, you know, I, not, I took him to the cleaners, but I got a good deal on that. Right. And then he bought it at a price that he liked in Fiat. And he's like, man, I really what took him to the cleaners. <laughs> <laughs> But it's true, but, oh, it, yeah. but it, it makes yeah. it all much easier yeah. if you have people who think that way. Like, yeah. I mean, we talk like when ETH goes down, we're like, all right, let's go, um, let's go sell some cards because it's like we can get yeah. ETH and everyone, somebody's like, this card sold for $900 yesterday and you're selling it for, you know, 800. And I'm like, no, 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 I, it was sold for 0.3 yesterday. Now it's 0.4. Exactly. I'm winning. Yeah. You're not winning. Yeah. Yeah, that, that makes that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I I think Quinny kind of summed this up really well in his video where he said, um, "There is old ETH and there's new ETH. So like the older users definitely base a lot around like ETH themselves, and that's how they sell players. That's how they price them. That was a but I think video. the new the new wave coming in is mainly going to be basing everything off of fiat unless." They watch content of these people that showcase, hey, this is the way to go uh, because this is how I've had my success and how I've constantly grown my ETH um, amount in the gallery. And one thing that I think is kind of under underestimated as well is like, I think SoRare themselves want to push the fiat price more. Because if you look, if you go into the market, the first value you see is euros and it's written in bold. And then you have the ETH value smaller and it's a little bit more in the background. So I think that's just a way of like making sure that the people come in are not scared of uh, what they're getting into because people might look at this and be like, what's this ETH thing? Like, how, how do I get involved? How do I do this? I've had plenty of people reach out to me and ask like, how do you put money onto the platform? How do you withdraw it? Is this safe? Is it not safe? Mm -hmm. uh, so when they see the euro values, I think it gives them some sort of safety uh, that they feel at that moment in time. And I think SoRare wants to push that themselves to kind of let people know, yes, this is a crypto thing, but at the end of the day, you're putting money into it. Like it's, it's euros that you're putting into it. Yeah, I, I forget who brought it up. It was on one of the podcasts or videos, but it was like the you're not really presented with needing to learn about Ethereum and cryptocurrency, like as you play, like you can go the yeah. entire way. I mean, I've said it, like I started, I bought most of my early cards on a debit card. Like I didn't pay, I didn't go buy Ethereum and then deposit it. Like I just bought it with a card and my actual like interaction with Ethereum, the currency just, there was almost close to none. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of just made it easier to, to play that way. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think a lot of people do that. Do you look at fiat when you sell or do you not care? I think when I'm selling, I actually look at ETH. But it depends. Right now, I'm looking at ETH because I kind of look at the market and I think there's still some upside. So I think, okay, if I sell this for ETH now and hold on to it for two weeks, it's going to be worth more in terms of fiat because then 
when I buy, I go by fiat. That's really weird. So when I sell, I, I go by ETH. This is something I just realized. <laughs> when I sell, go by ETH. And when I buy, I go by fiat. So yeah, it's weird. But I don't buy players when the market is down. Like when ETH goes down, I don't buy. That's one lesson I already, already kind of learned there. Yeah, I think that's still something that people underestimate is, yeah, if ETH is high, it's like the best time to buy cards if, you, if you've accumulated ETH. Right. If you haven't, then you're kind of stuck at that point. Yeah. But yeah, like as soon as uh, we, uh, Sean, uh, PSU fans, and I talk about that all the time, that like when ETH goes down, we want to sell as many cards as possible. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean like selling all cards that then hamper your SO5 lineups. But if you can like sell some scraps that you couldn't sell a week ago, just yeah. that's the time to do it. And just the hardest part is obviously nobody has any idea where ETH is going. Exactly. Yeah. Time, if so. you if you sell while it's down ten percent, but then you, then it goes down another twenty, then you look stupid, right? So having to like avoid that issue, I highly recommend to people follow a couple of people that are in the crypto space that have knowledge to like at least understand some bit of like what is a line where there's some kind of resistance where it might be bouncing off of, but if it breaks down from this price. There's a lot of downside from this mo moment on and that momentum will carry it down. So I think it's very important for people coming in. Yes, sure, do your fiat thing, but be aware of both sides of the coin. Like, uh, don't be just a fiat maximalist or an ETH maximalist. Just understand both sides. I think it's extremely important. It will be very helpful. Yeah, I agree with this comment from Steven. The volatility of ETH is also part of the fun of so rare, which <laughs> like, totally is. Like, mm. the, what's... Like I own some Ethereum outside of SoRare now and I, but I never check the price and it always mm -hmm. takes like somebody in a discord be like, Oh, ETH is tanking today. And I'm like, Oh really? All right. Let yeah. me go sell some cards. Like I don't track it at all, but I, yeah. I know that when other people need to start commenting on it, then it's either really high or really low. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, now I can think about uh, ETH on that part. I'll be yeah, honest, been honest. I don't formulate any like strategies around whatever the, price of ETH is if I want to go and do something, I'll just go and do it. Um, yeah. But I do, I do keep the price of ETH kind of in the back of my head as I'm executing that, that plan or whatever. Mm -hmm. But um, I don't, I, I don't get out of a card because, oh, like I should be selling right now because, yeah. because of the price of ETH or I should be buying right now. Um, I tend to just, I, I tend to just execute whatever I want to do and mm -hmm. keep in the back of my mind uh, it's not as, as if I'm pretending it doesn't exist. I know I know what's going on in that world, but um, I try to not like make decisions based on it. If that makes sense, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think yeah. even like even with what I'm saying right now, in half a year's time, I might have completely changed my mind. And that's that's the beauty of SoRare as well. Like they, there's never a point where you just know everything. It's just not going to happen. So I think even you guys that have been playing the game for this long just just like you not knowing if there will be a dip, right? Yeah. That that shows already that it is unpredictable. So you, you got to be able to adjust to every situation that comes at you with this game. That's nice of you to say. You could also just say it was predictable and we just missed it, but... No, I don't think so. <laughs> I think, yeah. Yeah, I think just the, the it, huge increase that we've seen in cards recently makes you... like. ETH hasn't moved that drastically in the last month, but like card mm -hmm. prices, certainly for like MLS, like everybody now wants to get in. 
like prices are going to go up and that's a basic like some supply and demand like eth not that ETH doesn't have anything to do with it but like if eth is not moving drastically eth basically has nothing to do with it and yeah i think you know it, whether you're thinking in fiat or eth it's not changing a whole lot right now but yeah right um, now it's pretty much sideways yeah right so for anyone in the chat uh, who's watching live that is worried that we're going to go into the champions league game we're going to finish in like five minutes so that everybody can enjoy their champions league today um even though you could always have the champions league on the second screen um since obviously this is the first one but um <laughs> so chani do you have you developed any sort of plan for like you clearly have gotten into the some cards that you have that you want now do you have like an idea of what you want to do you talked about like adding depth but like is there mm -hmm. like a region or um scarcity like do you want to move up to super rares at some point and like how far is your plan how far is your plan yeah i think ideally yes i would like to bring in super rares at some point um to play like under 23 rare pro possibly to link some of my strongest players in under 23 like the kirkju and saliba and such uh, who still have utility next year to link them up with the next season with super rares um, but right now that's none of my concern because I haven't really won anything in rare yet. I've only had one reward so far and I got really lucky with that one. A bunch of players that don't necessarily play for top teams have performed well in that week and I got lucky. Um, but yeah, the plan mainly is going to be focusing on this champion Europe and under 23 team, adding players for depth as I go along for those squads that can then also, um, create a full team and all-star. And once I have those three teams set up, basically, um, where I feel comfortable with them, I am definitely going to be going MLS uh, and uh, building there and uh, Asia as well, possibly as soon as like the European season ends. At that point, I would like to have an Asian team as well, because I want to partake in Rare as much as possible on a weekly basis and not be like, oh, it's summer. It's all done. Let me... Uh, let me drop this for a couple of months and see what happens. Uh, that's not what I want to do. Like I spend so much time on this page constantly. The amount of offers I send and cancel, it's unreal because I have so many ideas every single day where I think, oh, wait, I could do this. I don't need these players. And then I go and search up a player and I send an offer. I'm like, no, I don't want to do this. <laughs> and I delete it immediately. So um, yeah, I, I just want to be as involved as I possibly can. But from this point on, I want to do it smart with a plan moving forward rather than just taking part in everything. So yeah, I'll try to hold myself back and actually follow through on, on my plan to keep building from where I'm at right now. Do you have like a reward expectation because of the cards that you bought? I mean, yes, I think from the under 23s at this point, I would say so um, with the players that I've brought in, I would say if I don't get uh, let's say three to four rare players as rewards in an entire month, I would be disappointed. Uh, even if it's a tier three, I'll be happy. Um, I mean, I got extremely excited about that Dennis Suarez, so I'll be all right. <laughs> but um, yeah, like the players that I've brought in, some of them are like the top of the top. And I think at that point, you got to look at it and be like, all right, it, you, you got to mess it up big time to not get anything out of this at this point. Um, so yeah, I, I do, I do have certain expectations from them for the under 23 from champ Europe, not so much yet. I am aware that I have top performers like Pae and Fabian Ruiz who have incredible, uh, scores a lot of times, but I'm still not there yet. I would ideally bring in like a top, uh, striker there as well. I was looking at the likes of Benzema and such, 
um, uh, who was injured and was low on price as well. Didn't pick him up. Um, I went for Kirk G instead. But yeah, there's definitely uh, an expectation. Okay. All right. Uh, so yeah, you have some, Andy? No, I was I was looking at his uh, uh, forwards. So yeah. you have Diaby that you can use there, and you have Komen that you can use there. Exactly, yeah. They both are like... I mean, no, Komen is not under-23 anymore. He's right. just champ Europe, and then Diaby right. is the main guy for the under-23 right now. Work in progress. Work in progress. Yeah, still still yeah, I mean, next month. Komen's last three looks pretty great to me. <laughs> it's just that guy is so good. If he doesn't get injured he will get those scores all the time like every time i watch him i'm amazed by his ability to get past people um he's ridiculous i mean he has so many trophies at his age it's unreal yeah. like by the time he ends his career he might just be the most decorated player we'll see what happens <laughs> a good set of teams that he's already played for it certainly yeah, right. yeah. It certainly helps yeah all right well uh everybody can go enjoy their champions league now for those who are catching the replay uh, i guess you already know what happened on the champions league but we're stopping now uh so those who join in the chat are able to watch. If you guys wouldn't mind just dropping a like uh, below, that's greatly appreciated. Also, if you're listening to the audio version, if you could please rate and review it, feel free to subscribe wherever you're listening as well. That's helpful. Uh, Chani, thank you very much for joining us. Anybody uh, who wants to catch Chani's stuff, you can find it. Um, I think it's at So Rare Chani on YouTube. Yes. Um, there's great stuff. It seems like he has a new video out every 20 or 25 seconds. Um, <laughs> but it's really, uh, it's, all of it's really good stuff. Um, including one video he did today that I think he already has to update because of some improvements <laughs> to some solar data stuff that came out. Looking forward well. to it. So, uh, Chani, thank you for that, and uh, we'll see you around. Yes. Take care, guys.